Hello, and welcome to Roots and Branches, the Pinewood Alumni Podcast. Join us as we dig into the captivating stories and remarkable journeys of the alums who have walked the halls of Pinewood School. Through this podcast, we'll reconnect with our past, celebrating the diverse experiences, achievements, and memories that have shaped not only our individual lives, but also the legacy of Pinewood. Our alumni have spread their roots far and wide, reaching out into various fields, industries, and passions. So whether you're a current student, a fellow alumnus, or simply curious about the power of education, come explore with us as we uncover the inspiring stories that make up the lush canopy of Pinewood's legacy. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Roots and Branches. In today's installment, we're thrilled to introduce not one, but two extraordinary guests who have significantly contributed to the vibrant tapestry of our Pinewood community. Our first guest is the remarkable Carson Robinette, a distinguished alum from the class of 2015. Carson's educational journey unfolded at Pinewood, spanning from 6th to 12th grade. Following his high school graduation, Carson embarked on a transformative chapter at UCLA, where he earned a BA in theater. Not only did he excel academically, earning a coveted spot on the Dean's List, but Carson also became a distinguished member of Phi Beta Kappa Society. His unwavering passion for the theater has guided his path, leading him through a myriad of roles, culminating most recently in the portrayal of Fietka in the national tour of Fiddler on the Roof. And as if one outstanding guest weren't enough, we're honored to have Pinewood's own Doug Ivers join us as a guest host. Doug, the technical director and theater teacher at Pinewood Upper School for the last 18 years, is a cherished member of our community. As a beloved teacher, Doug's impact extends far beyond the classrooms. His dedication and passion shines through as he uses his creativity and enthusiasm to empower others to reach their full potential. Doug thrives on challenging individuals to step outside their comfort zones, fostering an environment where perspectives on life and the meaning of success are enriched. Get ready for an inspiring conversation as our guests share their experiences, insight, and the impact they continue to make in the world of theater and education. Welcome, Doug and Carson. Hey, Carson. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. I'm great. I'm happy to be doing another Pinewood event. It's been years. <laughs> it has been years. It's been a long time, but we have not been strangers. I've seen you a few times, but I'll tell you, I am really nervous to do this. I don't know why I'm so nervous. This is the first time I've ever done a podcast, but I'm really excited and I'm excited that it's you. I've been looking forward to this all year. How are you feeling? I'm great. I'm really excited to be here and jump at the opportunity to talk about my career and the things that Pinewood was able to give me to help advance my career. So yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. I'm looking at the list of your basic resume here at Pinewood, and I've counted 15 shows, musicals, concerts in your five years since eighth grade at Pinewood. Oh my gosh. I didn't know it was that many. (laughs) It started with Good Man Charlie Brown. You did a seventh grade workshop, I'm sure, but Good Man Charlie Brown in eighth grade. And then it ended with Shrek, basically, and the Stuart Brayson concert. Yes, yes. I forgot about the Stuart Brayson concert. Yeah, we did a lot at Pinewood at that time. <laughs> Quite a lot. Yeah. 
Let's get started. Can you share with us what initially sparked your interest in musical theater? Were there any specific performers or productions that inspired you to pursue a career in this field? I started performing when I was really young. I was a ballet dancer up until about eight years old. So I always was passionate about the arts, whether that was dance or singing or anything. And I tried a couple different things. I skated for a very long time. And I don't know, I just always loved to sing and be on stage. So when middle school came around and I joined Pinewood in sixth grade, you were required to do drama and perform in a show. Every grade was. And I just really fell in love with it from those early productions. And I did it nonstop from seventh grade up until high school. And by the time senior year came around, it made the most sense to potentially pursue a career there. And yeah, I've just always loved it since I was a kid. Yeah, you were absolutely fantastic. And that ice skating came in handy when we did Xanadu for that show. <laughs> yes, I do. I have a friend in Xanadu right now, and and he's playing Sonny, funny enough, which is the role I did. And I was asking him about it because he's perfect for the part. And I asked how the roller skating was going, and it wasn't going so great for him. <laughs> so I gave him a few tips. But yeah, the ice skating definitely helped put me ahead of the game. I didn't need to do all the roller skating drills that you had us do. <laughs> Yeah, the little roller skating boot camp, I remember it was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my daughter and I constantly talk about that show and how much we love that show. And you were a big part of that. And that whole cast was just amazing. That whole group that you were in those five years that I call them the golden age of Pinewood Theater, uh, Talmadge and Lindsay and all those guys were just so important to the growth of the department. Of course, Mr. Williams, a huge part of that. And I can't thank you guys enough for what you did for the performing arts here at Pinewood. Oh my gosh. Yeah, of course. We were just given amazing opportunities though, through what you and Spencer were doing all throughout our time at Pinewood. Like we were given so many opportunities. The fact that I don't even remember all the concerts and shows that I did in school, like the concert you just brought up, it just shows how many opportunities we were given. And I was just happy to take advantage of every opportunity I could take to sing or just be on stage doing anything really. And I know that all of us at that time who were really invested in the theater community at Pinewood all felt the same. Yeah, it was such a great group, such a memorable time, such mm -hmm. a forming time for a department for me professionally as well. And while doing all those shows was artistically a lot of fun, technically it was a disaster. There were just so many things that we had to do to figure out how to get these shows off and get them designed and get them built between every other show that was going on. It was crazy. Yeah. And the I don't know if you still do shows at Foothill College, but I know we did three or four shows there throughout my time, which was also a really cool opportunity and just like a bigger stage because obviously the Pinewood Theater is a, she's cute, but she's pretty small. Having a barricade for Les Miserables was a, it was a couple of chairs <laughs> piled onto each other. <laughs> we made it work. You guys sold it. You guys really sold it. And the pictures look great. It looks bigger than it actually was. We were committed. And it wasn't just being on stage. It's like, where do we put it once it's off stage? So our teacher, <laughs> you guys had to like climb over the barricade anytime you wanted to get on and off stage. Yes, I do Very remember funny. that. And it split in half, I think. So it was on like two different halves of the stage. So it could break apart e easily. I do remember that. Yeah, the Foothill days were good. We did Dame to See there and Sound of Music. But just logistically, it was a huge nightmare to get mm -hmm. everybody over there and to deal with Foothill. And we decided that we'll just work with what we've got. And we've done that mm -hmm. ever since. And uh, we love doing it. Makes sense. Your time at Pinewood obviously was very busy. You were, I'd hate to say it, but you were a big fish in a small pond. When you moved on to UCLA, how did your time at UCLA pursuing a BA in musical theater, how did that contribute to your growth as a performer? Because obviously we can lay the groundwork, but it's up to you to really take that and run with that. And are there any specific lessons or experiences from your training 
that you find yourself applying regularly in your career. UCLA is an amazing university. And thankfully, the theater school was very small. So you got to know everybody very well. Every class at Pinewood is about 50 to 60 kids. And at UCLA, the entire theater department each year, which included musical theater students, acting students, scenic design, audio design, directing, playwriting, was usually capped around 70 students. So the community size felt very similar. So we were able to have a small community within a very large university that has, I think, about 40,000 people going there. And what Pinewood was able to do specifically, and what I ended up using a lot more at UCLA, was a sense of independence and curiosity. When you go to a school as large as UCLA, you really have to try to find your niche. You have to find your community. You have to be able to know for yourself like what you like and what your passions are, or else you're just going to be so overwhelmed with everything that you're going to feel stuck. And with Pinewood's ability to explore a lot of different activities, academic, extracurricular activities, anything like that, when you go to a school like UCLA that is so big, you have to find that community. And with that, with all the curiosity that Pinewood instilled in me, I felt like I was able to explore so many different things at UCLA. Um, I was a part of campus tours, which was a job that paid me, but I was able to lead tours all throughout the school and talk about UCLA, uh, which was something I found just because I wanted to do something that was akin to student government, which I did for all four years at Pinewood. And I also did Interact Club, which was like a community service club at the time. I'm not sure if it's still there, Pinewood. But there were a lot of things that I was able to do at Pinewood that I had to then go out and search for myself at UCLA. No one was going to hold my hand at a school like that. So yeah, that's what I feel I was able to carry from my time at Pinewood and bring into my student life at the very least at Pinewood or at, uh, excuse me, UCLA. Did it take you a while to warm up to the people and to the stuff or did you feel like it was you were all there for the same purpose? You all came from the same theater community, which is very supportive and very, although competitive, very supportive and very enriching. Did you feel like, how was that transition for you socially? Thankfully, so much easier than a lot of my other peers who were not theater students at UCLA. Because of the small class size of, again, only 70 people per class. And that wasn't just musical theater students, that was all theater disciplines. And we all had to take some GEs together, like play reading and analysis or like stage design in the first year, really basic core theater classes that we could all get to know each other and bond over. And these are the people that you work with throughout the four years of your training. So people that are working in the costume shop, you now know because you did costume lab together. People that are helping now direct the musicals that the department are doing or stage managing with them from your freshman classes. And you tend to get very close. Half of my close friends weren't even in the musical theater department. They were directors, playwrights. I just went to one of my best friends from college's weddings, and she was a directing track at UCLA. So it was really great to get to know people across all these disciplines because you end up working with them not just at school, but your paths tend to cross also professionally a lot of the time, especially if you stayed in LA. You work with the same UCLA people all the time, which I live in New York, but a lot of my friends who stayed in LA continue to see and work with all of these people who were either in my year or maybe in years above. The School of Theater, Film, and Television, we just called it TFT. TFT allowed you to have a really small, easy community in a very large university. So I was able to find my people right away, thankfully. I know some people in college, it takes them a hot second, but because we had the small community, we had to take all of these classes together. 
you get very close very quickly, as is the case with any theater production, really. <laughs> and because we all had that theater background, everyone's very welcoming and open and wants to be friendly and get along. And it's important to have that kind of a good reputation in the professional world as well. So people tend to be very friendly very quickly. And you meet some amazing people along the way. Absolutely agree. My time at San Jose State was was phenomenal and get to know everybody in the department. In fact, I went to San Jose State as a creative arts or liberal arts major, thinking that I would be a fifth grade teacher or something like that. And then I dabbled in theater and worked on some shows. And that's when I just fell in love with just the people that you get to meet. And I get that mm -hmm. sense also from Pinewood. That's why I've been here for so long is just that camaraderie that they truly care. The real people, you're not getting to get a lot of phonies in the theater for sure. And then, like you said, the departments mingle. We had radio, television, and film at ours. And so one of the things that all the film students would do was drop in and ask the theater majors who wants to do a film. Speaking of that, your film credits include Six Windows and Poorly. How does acting for film differ from live theater? And do you have a preference between the two mediums? Can you share any memorable moments or challenges from your experiences in film? And do you have any plans for more film projects in the future? Maybe winning an Oscar and thank Mr. Ivers at the podium <laughs> or something? That's a great idea. <laughs> I certainly prefer theater over film. Theater is much more my medium. I also love singing and performing that way. I love the energy of a live audience. Obviously, going to UCLA, they have a really incredible film department. And there were a lot of opportunities for students to do student films, uh, whether they were masters or bachelor's students. There were a lot of different auditions going all throughout the year. A lot of my friends who were acting tracks at UCLA, they took those opportunities often. And most of them wanted to do film. Whereas I was specifically with musical theater students, about, I think, 14 or 15 of us. And most of us wanted to just stay in our theater lane. But a lot of us have gone on to do different films. One of my classmates who was a musical theater track like I was is now one of the main characters on the show Bel Air, which is the reboot of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And he's had obviously an amazing career path by doing film and something he was always passionate about. The two films you mentioned, one was a student film at NYU. I did that my first year that I moved to New York. And I just wanted to try it out. I had done one film before, the other one you mentioned called Six Windows. I got that job because a playwright of a play that I had done, it was a new work at UCLA. Her brother was a filmmaker in Los Angeles, and he had come to see the play because it was based on his relationship with his sister, who was the playwright. And because he had seen me in that, he wanted me to then be in his film as like a romantic character for the daughter of the main characters. It was something like that. And that got me a little more interested in film. And while doing the other film called Poorly over in New York a year later when I moved over to the city, it was a really interesting experience. They traveled me out to Connecticut in the dead of winter. It was freezing cold. It was supposed to be set in Maine, and I had to learn a Mainer accent, which I think it was terrible. <laughs> I don't think I sold the Maine very well, but it was a good experience. I get why people really love to do film. There's a lot of collaboration going on, and you get a lot more free time. There's not so much of an intense rehearsal process like there is with theater, where you're doing the same show over and over again eight times a week. With film, you get to take these pauses, go back into it, find that perfect take, and then move on, and you never touch that scene again. Some people love that. I personally find it a bit inorganic, but I'm sure that I have many friends who would disagree with me. 
I, yeah, the theater is just always what I've gone towards and it's the most success that I've had in my career so far. And so I intend to stay that way until something maybe comes along that makes me want to do it. Absolutely. And I agree with you totally. I've done a few films, nothing major, but it's tedious. The process is just like reshoots and redo this and change the angles and do that. And it you totally lose momentum and feeling. Whereas in theater, and people don't understand this, like there's an energy that comes with doing theater that you can't get anywhere else. And that's mm-hmm. why people fall in love with it when they try it the first time. If you remember Wilson Fields, for example, when he did Shrek was just, I remember his first show and he was just through the roof. He couldn't believe He's done sports, he'd done all kinds of stuff, but he just couldn't believe how much, how good he was feeling when he was done with that show. I remember a lot of kids at Pinewood who had never done theater in their life. I always think about the Les Mis production because you had Marty Thurston, Robin Sanders, Chandler, who was playing Javert, who, as far as I know, had never been on Sage's Life, was playing the second lead of the show. And I remember how surprised all of them felt by the end of it, of how much they wished they had gotten into theater sooner because they had so much fun doing it. And I don't think they realized how fun and exciting theater and performance can be. I think about that a lot because I definitely don't take my career and the opportunities I've had for granted. A lot of people wish that they could do this and I am doing it. And I feel very lucky in that way. Those guys are great. And in that golden era I was talking about, we had so many kind of I want to say random, but just random people come in and want to be in the show in some way, shape, or form. And they were usually athletes or something like that, just wanted to be in the background. So actually Chandler and, well, we talked about Max Darrow, like Max Darrow and some of those guys, they came in like in by Birdie, for example, and were like just the guy, the Shriners who would jump up and down out of the table. And then they would come back later and want to do something else. And of course we got Max in a spelling bee where we play the, the principal in that role and just lit it up. So we, we see that quite often. We try to get new people in. We love new faces and they just, either they really fall in love with it or it's just not what they thought it was going to be. There's no in between. Mm. It's pretty addicting. And me personally mm. as well, I haven't done a show in a long time. And a few years back, I was able to do a show at Sunnyvale Community Players called Fiddler on the Roof. Uh. Uh, I played the constable, which was basically just an acting role, but I did pit sing. And being one of the shorter guys in the cast, it's hard to intimidate your counterparts when they're all taller than you. But I think I did a good shot. I know somebody who happened to be in Fiddler on the Roof. His name is Carson Robinette, and he did that a national tour. And yeah, Fiddler yeah. on the Roof is such a classic. What was your experience like working on the national tour? And do you have any memorable moments from that production? Let's go with that. Fiddler was such a, it was such an amazing experience. Touring is amazing and Fiddler itself is an incredible show. It's one of the few truly perfect musicals. I have a billion memories I could share, but I think the audition experience was so rewarding and interesting. I had just gotten off of a cruise job and it was 2022 in the summer and a lot of tours were auditioning and I just finished some callbacks for Hairspray's national tour for Link, which I was really looking forward to. And I was sent in to do an audition for one of the swing tracks in Fiddler on the Roof, which is a show that I love to do, but I wasn't necessarily sure if I was right for. But I went in, I did the material, I got a callback. And at the callback, I was able to perform in front of Bartlett Cher, who is one of the major musical theater and opera directors of our current moment. He does absolutely amazing work. And I was so nervous to perform in front of him, but he was very complimentary and I left feeling pretty good about my audition. I hadn't heard anything for a couple of weeks, so I assumed I didn't get the part, which was fine. 
I had then been offered a part in the Hairspray National Tour, which I was really excited about. And then the next day, wouldn't you know it, I get a call from my agent saying, hey, you just got a part in Fiddler on the Roof. And I said, oh, was it for the swing track? And my agent said, no, it was. it's for Fiedka. And um, for those who don't know the show, Fiedka is one of the suitors of Tevya's daughters. It's like a romantic lead in the show. And I was shocked because I not only was that not a part I was going in for, I didn't even read for that part in the first place. But it was incredible feeling to know that the work I was doing in the room, while not for the specific part, was shown to the creative team that I could handle a more prominent role, a more featured role. I always say that preparation is key in this industry. There's only so much that you can control. I can control what the casting decisions were going to be in the room for Fiddler on the Roof, but knowing that I went in with my material ready and rehearsed and worked on, that it obviously made a good enough impression that they trusted me to take on a, a bigger part, which was an incredible feeling. And going into the rehearsal process of Fiddler on the Roof with a sense of reassurance that I, you sometimes you don't feel like you're meant to be there. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough, et cetera. Um, but going into a rehearsal process with like-minded actors who are all so excited to be there and ready to work was really reassuring that the work I had done was well worth it and that I was in a cast of like-minded individuals who were ready to put in the work and spend hours rehearsing and doing choreo. It's uh, it's an incredible feeling. It's an incredible high whenever you get cast in a show. And I'm so incredibly grateful for that experience. I agree. The show is amazing. And I had grown up watching the movie. And when I was younger, it was okay. It was boring to me. And then I just held on to that memory. It's a long movie. It is a long movie. And I just remember holding on to that for a long time. And then when this audition, and then I saw the Broadway production, I think, did we see it with the group, the New York group? Were you with us when we saw that? If you did, I wasn't there, but you might've seen it. If you came in 20, because I graduated in 2015. So if you had seen it in 2016 and it would have still been on Broadway, then potentially, yeah. If you saw it in New York around that time, this was the only production at the time. With Danny Bernstein, right? Yes. Yeah, with Danny Bernstein. Yeah, I remember seeing it and I was like, wow, this is incredible. And it's the themes and everything's just so timeless. And you can just pull so much out of that personally, even if you're not Jewish, even if you don't recognize the family issues or whatever. There's so much going on in there. But then it wasn't until I actually did this show that I really just fell in love with that show. So when I came to see your production in San Francisco, I was crying. I was like, had chills. And it wasn't just because you were wearing a mullet. It was really good. <laughs> we don't talk about the wig. <laughs> you guys did a fantastic job. And previously you had some visitors also. Like I'm sure you had a lot of visitors in San Francisco come see you do the production. Yeah, I did. I had some people even surprise me. Of course, my family came out to see it. And a lot of my high school friends who stayed in the Bay Area after college, of course, they all came, which was really touching that so many people wanted to come out and support the show. Lindsay, Gabrielle, and Claire, all from Pinewood and all, of course, the sort of golden age of PPA. Uh, they came out to see it and I hadn't seen them in years. I don't think I'd seen Claire since she graduated in 2013. So I, I don't think I'd seen her till then. So it had been like 10 years. And it meant so much that the three of them came out to watch the show. It was such a good opportunity to see people I hadn't seen in many years. And I felt very loved by all the support. Yeah. When I saw your post on Instagram and I saw their faces, I had chills. That to me, that's like the best 
feeling when you know that the community you've been a part of for so long and they're there to support other people in their community. And of course, come on, to see a good friend on a Broadway tour is no small feat. You know what I mean? That's a big deal. And when you mentioned that, I couldn't believe, I was through the roof. I was so proud of you. Still am, obviously, but I was so proud of that. And I felt good for him. We'd seen each other a couple of times on New York trips when I brought the kids out. And I know it wasn't easy for you to be out there for a while. So they really booked this tour. I was, was very thankful to the universe and proud of your ability to get that. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's see here. Oh, it says here, winning the best short film award at the Bedford Falls Film Festival for Six Windows is quite an achievement. Can you tell yeah. us more about the film and how it felt to receive that recognition? Oh, it was it was really cool to... I didn't know that they were going to be submitting it to a lot of festivals. I thought this was more of a passion project among young filmmakers in LA. So to know that our film was getting some good press among the film festival circles was really cool. And I think it won some other awards too, but that's the one I remember the most. It was a, like a 30-minute film and my part was fairly small in it. But even it was really cool to be a part of any kind of film that had any sort of recognition for it. You do something as a favor to help a friend out and to get some experience under your belt just to see what it's like and to know that you're part of anything that touches people enough to bring some awards to it is really cool. It's the power of art. <laughs> and awards aren't everything. Awards are not something that I'm actively gunning for in my career. But to know that I could be a part of something that is recognized in such a way is really awesome. It's a great feeling to know that what you're, you might just be a small part of it, but the art that you're making really does have the power to touch people. I totally agree. Don't do a job like this for as long as I have. If you know that like what you're doing isn't important on some level to people. And you're right, words on everything, but it is nice to get a nod every once in a while about your hard work and your discipline and things that you're very that are very important to you, obviously. Speaking of kind of recognition, I had mentioned this last week. I talked to you about possibly talking about this. I think this is a good time to talk about it is your time at Pinewood. This morning, actually, I was getting ready to come to school. And the first thing that popped in my head was, hey, Pinewood. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but you used to do the announcements, right? Yes. Yes, uh, I do. And then also just remembering little dancey Carson Robin and all the junior high dances and everyone requests a certain song that you would just go nuts and the whole crowd yeah. would just open up and watch you dance. Do you remember what song that was? Of course I do. It was Single Ladies by Beyonce. And uh, you would just do all the choreo. And I remember as the junior high DJ, I would be like, who is this kid? Oh my gosh, he's so annoying. He loves the attention. He's eating it up. And then obviously I would just come to fall in love with you later for that same exact energy. And it was, and the school did as well. One of the things that really struck with me was the assembly, the respect assembly, I believe you called it. Yeah, respect assembly. Do you want to tell us about that assembly? Because that, in my mind, that moment was such a huge switch that flipped for Pinewood. I want to let you talk about it and see what, what happens here. Yeah, it was called the Respect Assembly, and I was in eighth grade at the time. The reason we were having this Respect Assembly is there were some students who were queer, and of course, Pinewood is a very small community, and with it being so small, you tend to not have a ton of uh, LGBT plus students, just naturally by the size. And some of us at the school were feeling not super welcomed. There were some instances of bullying occurring and Pinewood let us 
host this respect assembly, and it was supposed to be this anti-bullying, LGBT awareness that was going to be led by five students. And it was four high schoolers and me. And at the time, I was not out or anything. That I was in eighth grade. I was 14. But I was very passionate <laughs> about gay rights, which was a hot button issue at the time in California. And they asked if I wanted to be part of the assembly and talk about my experiences with bullying, how it made me feel. And I was a theater kid and I really liked dance and singing, acting. And I was very much known that those were my passions. And I loved Glee. <laughs> so I, and at the time, middle school boys, I'm an easy target or I was somewhat of an easy target at the time. And times have thankfully changed, but it, it's middle school. Middle school's tough. Anyway, I was supposed to be the middle school representative of this assembly and the whole school was gathered, middle school and high school, the staff, and the five of us got up onto the gym floor and were speaking to all the students, and I was the last to speak. And throughout the assembly, you had students talking about their experiences of bullying, how it made them feel, what you know, names they'd been called, their experiences at other schools even, all very, very valid stories and feelings to come about. And I just remember having this moment reflecting, listening to all of these other experiences, how I felt like I wasn't being truly honest with myself about who I was. And I'm up here and my sister, Chloe, she was a senior in high school at the time. And I don't think she was in the stands. I think she had skipped the assembly. Maybe she was there. I don't remember. And I don't know, just listening to all these other kids talk about their experiences got me inspired and by the time it was my turn to talk, I knew I wanted to speak about my experiences with being bullied at Pinewood and outside of it and how it made me feel. But I just had this moment where I, I felt like I had to be completely honest about why it it was so upsetting to me. And it wasn't because the things they were saying were unkind, because they were, but it's that they were saying things about me which they didn't even know were true. And in the spur-of-the-moment decision, I took the mic and... I said, hi, everyone. If you don't know me, my name is Carson. I'm 14 and I'm bisexual. And there was a sort of gasp among the crowd, I remember. And a girl started crying in the pews and not the pews, the bleachers, <laughs> not at church. And while I, I'm not bisexual, I'm gay. At the time, that's what I considered myself and what I believed I was. And I just spoke from the heart about my experiences with bullying in and out of school and how it made me feel and how I didn't think that the things that were being said to me and about me were very kind or fair and that it made me feel like isolated, but how there are all these rumors about gay people at the time that like one kid said to me that he didn't want to catch the gay from me. And I'll never forget that. I was in eighth grade and I didn't even really know what that meant yet or if that is what I was. I just, I don't know, I had a moment where I just spoke from the heart, honestly, about who I was. And I remember after that moment, that's how everyone knew who I was when I came into high school. Because <laughs> if they didn't know me from middle school, they now certainly knew who was coming into their freshman year. <laughs> yeah, I tell that story a lot. It was immensely, it, it's a profound memory from my life that I'll never forget. And I and sometimes I think maybe I should have gone about it more delicately and I could have had private conversations with my family and friends. But then I also think, no, I just ripped the Band-Aid off and I let people know who I was and I wasn't going to back down from that. And I do think that assembly really did change a lot of 
people's minds about, you know, LGBT issues. And that carried with me up until I left Pinewood. And I, I hope at least that the impact of that assembly and what people were saying and what I said had a positive impact on the community. I believe it did. I felt very welcomed going into high school and I felt most people really respected me for what I had said and done. And I hope that energy is carried into this next generation of Panthers. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing because I working on 15 shows together and all those years we spent together. And I was thinking we're going to be doing this podcast. And I started thinking about that image just popped into my head super fast. And it wasn't something I thought about. It wasn't something that I, I remember often. It just popped into my head just this morning. And then I started thinking about the impact that had. Having been here for so long, that moment literally opened the doors for a lot of people to be honest with themselves and their friends. And we started seeing these conversations starting and people starting to be open and more accepting. I'm not going to say it's a harsh world out there and that the truth sometimes can be uncomfortable for some people. But I look around Pinewood today and it just feels like a much better place than it was X amount of years ago. And your moment there, that whole assembly, I think, was really just a jumping point for this DEI movement that we're going through that people started being more open and accepting. And it was also the faculty and the administration that really needed to hear that, that we're changing and things need to change around mm -hmm. here as well. And I think Pinewood's the better place for that moment and for actually taking that challenge and opening the conversation about it. Because I know there's a lot of alumni out there that probably have some harsh memories or moments that could have gone better. And it's high school, it's junior high. But I think the school itself is really working hard to move in the right direction every day. And I think your assembly, that moment was huge for us, for anybody that was there. So thank you for that. Thank you for your strength. And thank you for your honesty in that moment. That's what people love about you and hopefully about a lot of people at Pinewood is that openness. It's very sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Moving forward, are there any dream roles or specific productions you hope to be a part of in the future? I have always wanted to be in Spring Awakening. I <laughs> I have I was I was just ranting to my roommate about this yesterday. I was at a callback yesterday and we were talking about it and when I was in college, an MFA director was doing her master's thesis and their thesis for the final year of the directing MFA is to put on a full production using one of the main stages at UCLA. And she was German, originally from Germany. And so she wanted to do Spring Awakening, the play, not the musical, because the play is from Germany in the late 19th century. And I I got the lead role <laughs> I was so excited because it's it's my favorite show as a musical, but I also love the play and I've always considered myself more of an actor than anything. And I was really excited to get into it. And we were having this amazing process and it was so organic and, and it was amazing cast. We were all getting along great and exploring this really controversial and interesting piece. And then I broke my foot in dance class a week before it was supposed to open and they were going to try to make the role work for me and get around it. But if you know anything about Spring Awakening, that Melchior has to do quite a bit of physical things in the show. And so Melchior having a crutch wasn't really going to work very well. And I just needed to rest for a month or two to make sure my foot was okay. And so I had to drop out of the show. I did still put it on my resume though, which is not a lie. I did get it. I was there for the six weeks of rehearsal. I just, I never got to perform it. And so to this day, I still have never performed in that show. I would do any role in that show at this point, play musical. I don't care. I just want to do a full 
I want to be a part of the actual performances of the show. But I have a lot of dream roles in shows that I would like to do. And those are changing the older I get. Right now, a lot of it is just about auditioning and getting seen and continuing to make relationships with casting directors. The grind never stops. It really doesn't. You think it might, but it it doesn't. And it never slows down. And you just got to keep up and keep honing your skills. And at this point, I would just be... I just can't wait for the next job to fall into my lap. Now, if it's a production of Spring Awakening, that'd be perfect, but beggars can't be choosers. You can't go wrong with Duncan Cheek, right? The music is so phenomenal. And of course, you have experience with that because we did a little play called Whisper House. You yes. That experience? Yes, I do. The best part about doing that wasn't even the show. It was the fact that we got to have Duncan Cheek at Pinewood for a benefit concert. And I got to sing from Spring Awakening to him at the Ellis's home. When we did like a bit of a, it was like a little, we were hosting him and I was so excited to meet him because he was my favorite composer and wrote my favorite show. And again, that could only happen at Pinewood. I I think about that all the time, how I've met the man who wrote what is arguably my favorite score in all of Broadway. And I will never forget that singing those you've known in front of Duncan Sheik was a crazy opportunity. I still don't know if any experience or performance I've done has really compared to that kind of a pressure, but excitement. Yeah, he was so cool about it too. And didn't he invite you guys to come out to Yoshi's in Oakland to sing or San Francisco? Yes, yes, they did. I didn't sing because I didn't sing in Whisper House. Um, Yeah, I remember going out to support them. I forget who exactly was there, but I remember going and how exciting that was that they got to perform with him. I just wasn't in a singing track in the show, but it was great to see. And he was there for a week. I feel like I got so much Oh, we went backstage at one point, I think. Yeah, we went backstage in San Francisco, which I felt so VIP. And I was in high school and I'm like, what is going on? This is my life. That was still a really amazing experience. Yeah, it was great. And I directed the Whisper House and to have a member from the original cast come out and then to talk to Duncan Sheik about it was just next level. Obviously, as a high school theater teacher, you don't get those opportunities. Right. And then later on, I was doing some work at Sunnyville Community Players again, and they were doing uh, Spring Awakening, and I was helping them with the set. And I remember, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to message Duncan Cheek and see what he says. And I said, hey, Duncan, Sunnyville Community Players is doing Spring Awakening. Do you have any advice for them? And then I was like, well, that was fun. And then 10 seconds later, I got a reply, and he says, don't F it up. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> So I told the cast that, and they were like, how do you know him? What's going on? And it was this, it was a crazy moment. So yeah, that was pretty awesome. Thanks to Spencer Williams for setting all those things up. That was amazing. So let me ask you this. What advice would you give aspiring musical theater performers just starting their journey? Are there any lessons or pieces of wisdom you wish you had known when you were starting out in the industry? Yes. The biggest advice I could give to anyone who is considering a career in the arts, just in general, this really goes for all of it. There are three golden rules in the industry that everyone should follow. And if you don't, you're not going to do well. (laughs) The number one rule is to be kind. It's so important that people that you meet in this industry, word travels fast. I've seen it happen in real time. People that are amazing performers, but not the nicest, get blacklisted. It's not a good thing. So always be kind. Be on time, which really means to be about 15 minutes early. Don't show up late. Just don't do it. It's about being respectful. And if you're coming into a rehearsal process, memorize your lines. (laughs) It's really that simple. You come prepared. You're there to rehearse. You're not there to memorize. 
of course, things change and that can't always happen. But if you come in knowing what scenes, what songs you're working on or dance routines, if it's choreography that you've learned, you come in with it almost entirely off book. It makes it faster and it shows respect to you and your other castmates. Um, So those are the three golden rules you need to pursue it. And everything else is just training. Just you have to work at your craft. It doesn't stop. And if you're in high school, I highly recommend figuring out what kind of college you want to go to. If you want to pursue musical theater or acting in college or even uh, tech, if you want to be someone who works in audio or sound design, scenic design, costume design, start figuring out what you want to do at college because a lot of times they either have an interview or a portfolio portion. If you're a performer, they almost always have an audition or pre-screens. And these are things you need to start preparing about a year in advance before college auditions. There are wonderful college coaches out there, people that you employ to help you find monologues, song material, even master classes. And I used one and it was incredibly beneficial to my future where I ended up going to school. I highly recommend just being prepared. And if you're writing those essays and you're delaying them, don't get ahead on that because that is not the most important part of your audition at all. Your audition is important, but you'll have that months in advance. Those essays, they're just something you need to check off. Do that. Get your SAT, ACT scores if they require it. And then just be ready to send that material as soon as possible because the sooner you send it in, the sooner you can hear back. And with any of that, it's just it's all about prep. It's all about just being prepared. There's a lot of rejection in the industry. You're not going to get into every school. Just naturally, it happens to no one. And you have to get ready for that. And just know that a lot of times it's not about your talent. It comes down to billion things that are not in your control. All you can do is be prepared. And yeah, that's all the advice I would give to aspiring performers, especially. So before we wrap up here, I just want to list off all the shows that you've done while you were here at Pinewood. This is not in- including the fundraisers and the special concerts like Duncan Sheik. Um, let's see here. It started in junior high with a good man. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. And that was the first time we actually started doing a full musical for the eighth grade before it was just a junior show that we were doing. So that was the first time we had done that. While you were doing that, your sister Chloe was actually in The Curious Savage, which I don't know if you remember that show. Yes, I do. I do. That was the murder mystery show or something, right? Exactly. Something like that. But you did All My Sons, 25th Annual Spelling Bee, Dames at Sea, Midsummer Night's Dream. Xanadu, Sound of Music, Whisper House, Les Miserables, Snoopy, Almost Maine, that Maine accent must have come in handy from that show, and Shrek. Out of all those shows, is there any one of those shows that kind of holds a special moment or memory for you, other than the Duncan Cheek stuff, obviously, we've talked about? <laughs> My mom still always associates the Peanut Gang with uh, Ari and I, um... And so she tends to always give little gifts with Snoopy or Lucy on them. For those listening, Aerie is like my best friend since we were in kindergarten. And she came to Pinewood with me in sixth grade. And so we've been friends ever since. And she and I did both the eighth grade production of Yorko Man Charlie Brown and the senior year production of Snoopy. And we both reprised our same roles. So I think that those two shows hold a special place in my heart that I think of Pinewood. You do it once in eighth grade, your final year of junior high. And we did the sequel to your good man, Charlie Brown, Snoopy, senior year, doing the same roles. And playing Snoopy twice is something really interesting. (laughs) 
I had so much fun doing those shows. They're so feel good. It's such like a loving, warm experience to do a show like that. And rarely do you ever get to do a sequel of a musical ever. Uh, and so I think about my time doing those shows as really fun. And they're like little markers of moments in time. There's eighth grade and their senior year. And if only we did it in college, I think that'd be a really good full circle moment. But I loved doing Yurgam and Charlie Brown and Snoopy. I just had so much fun doing them with our friends and with you and with everyone in the performing arts department. Yeah. Yeah. I think the fact that my mom still associates me with Snoopy is hysterical because I haven't done Snoopy since 2014. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're getting old. I do have one memory of Shrek. Do you remember the big debacle that happened in Shrek? One of our is this about my hoof flying into the audience? Fell off? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we're about to get into the big song for the first act closer. And Wilson, who plays Shrek, and Carson, who played Donkey, they sit down on the edge of the stage right in front of the audience members. And they're saying their lines, and we're about to get into the song. So we're literally waiting to play the track for them to start singing. And his little hoof falls off into the audience, which isn't a huge deal. But then he started giggling, and then Wilson started giggling, and then the audience started giggling. And we were literally sitting there for five to ten minutes waiting for this finale to happen. I was dying. I was mad. I was happy. I was, it was like the whole gamut of emotions at that time, just waiting to push that button. We had rehearsal tracks. And at one point we started to go, all I remember is that my, my, my hoof flew into the audience and we were going to keep going, but I was so shocked. And Wilson didn't know what to do either. And so I mentioned something about because I think in the scene, Donkey's trying to get to the core of who Shrek is and is calling him out for being this grumpy ogre. And Donkey's like trying to open him up. And so I got my hoof back and I said something like, I have a condition. <laughs> like I said like a couple lines to try to make it into the scene. I was like, I have a condition and I just wanted to open up with you or something. But anyways, what were you going to say, Shrek? And Wilson is like almost in tears trying to find out what to say on this next line. And I remember you or Alex Banning like pressed play on the performance track of the song. And so it starts and, and Wilson can't, he's supposed to start singing. He just can't get the words out. And I, uh, he just looks down for a second to try to catch his breath. And then I just saw him spin his finger around in the air, signaling to just uh, start the song again. <laughs> and so uh, when one of you press like rewind and the track started over again and we made it through, but I do remember that very well. That's a hysterical blooper. We had a lot of good, uh, funny moments. I mean, that whole audience was there for that moment. And that's the treasure of live theater. I think that you don't get with film obviously is that audience is there with you on this journey, whether it goes well, whether it goes bad, whether you had a bad day, whether you're having a great day, you drank too much coffee and you're all hyped up. Every night, it's a different performance. The energy is different from the audience. But that moment, like we had 120 people in that room. Everyone was crying from laughter for that moment. And it's something I tried. I've done how many shows here at Pinewood? And that's that moment keeps popping up for me frequently. And I tell my current students about it, how no matter what happens, we got to get through this show. And the song was horrible because he was still trying to figure out how to sing through it. It was... <laughs> yeah. It was a mess. I remember walking out during intermission and people were still wiping tears off of their eyes from laughing so hard. It was such a great moment. <laughs> I think about that often. Yeah, that is probably the biggest blooper I've had on stage. Thankfully, I don't need any bigger ones. <laughs> like a huff flying into the audience. <laughs> any parting words you want to say, Carson? I think we're about done here. Anything you want to say? 
Carte blanche. The microphone is yours, Ooh. sir. Okay. For anyone who's listening, whether you're a parent of a Pinewood student, a part of the faculty, an alum, or a current student at Pinewood, what I want to say is that Pinewood has a really special place in my heart. The morals and ethics that are instilled in you at Pinewood carry over into any career path. The way that I've used my Pinewood moral compass in my career is is daily. And no matter what you decide to pursue or what you have chosen to pursue as a career, just know that Pinewood is going to give you qualities, traits, work ethic that can carry into any career path. I chose a performing career just because that was something I always loved. There were other things I could have considered, but performing was just always my bread and butter. And I hope that if any students are listening that are interested in pursuing a career, you can always find me. I'm happy to talk to kids and help them along their educational journey or their performance journey, whatever it is. I, I think it's such a rewarding career. The highs are high and the lows are lows, but it's such an amazing career choice and it's a noble one too. Don't let anybody tell you that it isn't. The arts are for everybody also. The world has changed in so many amazing ways. And I hope that people are starting to see themselves reflected in theater and media more often. It is a brand new industry, especially post-pandemic. And I think that the opportunities for everybody have opened up tenfold. So know that if this is something that you're interested in, you can always contact me, find me on Instagram or LinkedIn or something. Feel free to send me a chat. I'm happy to talk about it. If any parents have questions about the logistics of college and college auditions, again, I'm, I'm totally happy to speak on that. But just know that Pinewood gives you a lot of opportunities to try things that you might never have tried before. Believe it or not, I was a varsity athlete for four years because I did varsity swimming. It w- There was only one swim team and it was the varsity one and I wasn't very good. But still, I would never have been able to do something like that at a larger school or at any different kind of school. And people that are curious about theater, go and try it. It doesn't hurt. It's a really open and welcoming community. And I'm sure that holds true at Pinewood still. And I hope that no matter what you decide to do, that Pinewood is going to help you achieve those professional goals. I know that I've certainly been able to use a lot of what I learned at Pinewood in my day-to-day life and my career. And know that whatever you decide to do, Pinewood's going to help you out. Thank you so much, Carson. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. It's been great seeing you again and talking with you. On behalf of the entire school at Pinewood and on behalf of the PPA, uh, we we like to send you the best. And we ask that you break a leg, but not literally, if you're going to be going out for any big roles. And we look forward to seeing big things from you in the future. And our door is always open, so feel free to come by anytime, buddy. Thank you so much. This has been so awesome. (laughs) It's like a blast from the past in the best way. And that is another inspiring episode of Fruits and Branches that comes to a close. We hope you enjoy this journey through the diverse paths our alums have taken, from their roots at Pinewood to the branches that have reached far and wide. These stories remind us that our time at Pinewood School was just the beginning of a lifelong adventure, and the connections we forge here continue to shape our lives in unexpected ways. Thank you for tuning in and for being a part of the celebration of our shared heritage. Remember to subscribe, share, and stay connected as we continue to explore the ever-growing branches of the Pinewood alumni community. Until next time, this is Roots and Branches, where Pinewood's legacy continues to blossom.